Welcome to another faith-building message by Pastor Phil Pringle, leader of C3 Church. For more information about Phil and C3, please visit myc3church.net. I got to tell you, I'm so thrilled to let you know Pilgrims, our newest C3 music album is already here. The songs on this album are for our journey in Jesus. No matter where we are on that journey, in the valley or on the mountaintop, His love is unchanging and so should our praise and worship be. Cannot wait for you to hear it. Head to iTunes or Google Play to download it today. God bless you guys for joining in today. It's so good to have you here. And uh, what a night we had on Friday night, my Lord. That was so wonderful. Just to all break bread together from all over the city and to see each other. We have a couple of events a year, Presence Conference and that Vision Builders Dinner where we can actually get to meet each other in, in, a, in a setting that is so uh, visionary and so wonderful. I wanna talk to you today about our vision and about why we have Vision Builders and about the ways that we can actually become part of being a vision builder. At the end of the service, we will be receiving, uh, the containers will come by and uh, we will be receiving people's commitments to that. In many of our locations, you're gonna be coming forward and uh, we believe in God that He will speak to you, that you'll feel encouraged and you'll feel faith inside of you to be stretched and to be enlarged. The Bible says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your dwellings. And I've, uh, I've never enjoyed stretching. I don't know about you, but uh, if you ever go to the gym or you're ever working out, they always say you gotta stretch at the end of the night. I just think, oh, it just takes too much time. And, but you know, I worked with a trainer once. It was only one time, as you can see. But uh, I, uh, he's, he said, look, uh, we need to keep you agile, not fragile. So keep stretching. And when you're stretching, it keeps you in a place where you're malleable in life, where you're bigger and you, you, you cope with life a whole lot easier. So that's one of these beautiful moments. Isaiah chapter two, verse two to three says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of His ways and we will walk in His paths. The Lord will go out from Zion and the Word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That tells me that the church is to be a place where prophecy is going into the future and where we are describing the future that we believe is ahead of us, the Word of the Lord. And then we see the law of the Spirit filling people's lives. We see the teaching of the ways of God and pathways where we can walk in. And that's happening right within our church as, as I stand here. But I wanted to actually read out to you a vision that I feel God has put in my heart about our future and how we are travelling right now as vision builders together. The C3 of the future will spread very broad. We will be in every nation on earth. We will be every colour, every ethnicity and every age. I'm believing we will become one million worshippers every weekend around the globe. We will also be a movement of 1,000 churches. We are aiming for this to happen by 2020. However, even if we don't manage to hit that target by then, that's not a problem. We will still continue on to become a thousand churches. Right here in Sydney, I am believing with you for 100 worship locations to be planted around the city. 
We will see the greatest harvest of souls into the Kingdom of God we've ever witnessed in C3. I see our people on fire, committed to the mission of Christ. C3 will be vibrant, colourful and energetic. Our leaders will be of all ages, young and old, men and women. We are committed to constantly raising, releasing, respecting and celebrating new generations of men and women of God. We will see great revival for all ages, children, teenagers, young adults, families and seniors. We will also see great revival among many nationalities right here in Sydney. I also see some pushback against the C3 of the future, but this will only cause growth, vitality, fruitfulness and strength. This will call for leaders to be strong, united and faithful. The C3 of the future will rise from the grassroots of connect groups, then in congregations around our city, then large gatherings and major events. I see us with a momentum and traction from the Spirit of God that is unstoppable. The power of the Spirit will increase. People will be raised from the dead in our gatherings. God will visit us with signs and wonders. Most of our people will be everyday people like you and me. But I also see the C3 of the future reaching and including many highly influential people, business leaders, government leaders and people of wealth and influence will be reached. This will call for us to be big leaders, secure men and women who can think broadly and generously, not petty people with small minds, easily threatened, but with big faith and wide grace. This will call for people who are not locked down into their own agenda, but are able to be engaged in a purpose that is larger than all of us. I see us moving together in one spirit and one mind. Because we are now multi-site with many locations, we can continue to grow horizontally with greater emphasis on community. I believe in C3. After nearly 40 years, we were able to see the long-term healthy fruit of what we've been doing for three generations in families. Miranda, our youth leader there, is one example of that. She's a third generation C3 member. We have seen a culture in which people have been able to settle into a journey as a follower of Christ for a lifetime. We have seen a leadership culture create a legacy from one generation to the next. We are committed to expanding a Christ-centered, soul-saving, disciple-making, church-planning church. Chris and I know that this church and our movement will obviously outlive us all, but we are energised and excited about the future. Together with yourselves, we are vision builders. Amen. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are called together to build the mighty house of God. I wanna share some other points that I also shared on Friday night but it doesn't hurt us, any of us to hear things twice, three times, four times. It's not often that we need to hear something new, so that we have to hear something to get it so that we can actually do it. And uh, hearing the same things, keeping life simple, makes sure that we're able to find our pathways in God. That's one of my pursuits always, to simplify, to make life as simple as I can uh, for everybody around us. So I wanna give you just eight reasons in these next uh, 10, 15 minutes Eight reasons to be generous. Eight reasons to be a giving person. Eight reasons to understand the ways of God are generous ways. God is never a stingy person. He's never a shabby giver. He gives His best. He didn't send a, an angel He didn't want in heaven any longer. He sent Jesus, His only Son. He didn't send some other spirit that He could find up there. He sent the only Holy Spirit to us. And then He gave you one another. 
He looked for the finest people in Sydney and he sent them along to sit right next to you this morning. Amen. And you are now blessed to be in one of the finest communities of people on planet Earth, whether you're in Warunga or shout out. Yes, I can hear you from here. And all those down in, in Silverwater. Wow, you're on fire this morning. And out of Penrith, Lord, what a noise you're making. We can hear it right down here in the eastern suburbs. So happy to be sharing with you this morning these eight reasons on how to become a bigger person. And this is where the stretch is. That's where growth is. Number one reason where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's got a project. And the project is to raise funds for the, the, the church of Jerusalem. Our, our vision here is to raise funds for the future so that we can plant those hundred congregations around the city so that we can continue to raise up leaders, so that we can continue to invest in television and preach the Gospel all around the world. God has given us a vision. And so beyond our tithes and offerings, this is not about tithing, this is about actually giving beyond our tithe and saying, I wanna be in. I wanna give above and beyond and be part of the vision. Our tithes look after the running of our congregations and look after the staff and look after all the ancillary costs that there are with that. But our, our giving beyond that takes us into the future so that we have, we're able to actually grasp a hold of what God's got us, got us to do. When I'm asking pastors about their vision and about how they're feeling about fulfilling it, often they will say, well, we can't do it until we have funds. And 10 years later, I'm saying, well, how's you, how are you going with that? And they might say, well, we still haven't got the funds. And I say, well, you need to, you need to have something like vision builders. And sometimes they will say, I'm not sure if our people are ready. And I say, well, that's a leader's job to actually bring people into being ready, to actually lead people into places that may be a little uncomfortable sometimes, but you'll kiss me at the end because I stretched you and you feel like a bigger person at the end of the day. You'll say, wow, thank you, Pastor. You got me and you, you stretched me. I'm not sure I enjoyed it all at the present, but man, that toothache I had, I'm so glad I got rid of it. And, and, and sometimes the, the stretch feels interesting at the start and, and the worst thing we could do is react against it. Stay open, stay open to God because He's got things for you to take you into a future that you've never even thought was possible. And so as Paul writes these, these instructions to the Corinthian church, he takes two chapters, spends an entire two chapters talking about the ways of God and generosity, the principles of God. And when, when we start to understand this is how God works, you'll find that you slot into a groove with God where His provision is, where His power is, where His blessing is. When we're not on that pathway and we're trying to do it our own way, we'll find ourselves struggling and, and stumbling sometimes. But when you say, okay, God, I'm gonna live life your way. So far, living it my way hasn't been, hasn't been that great, but I'm gonna actually get on the pathway, slip into the groove, where I'm meant to be actually flowing with you in the world of generosity and being a giver. You know, the first sign of Zacchaeus's conversion, remember Zacchaeus? is that people nobody liked because he was taking money from people when he shouldn't have. He was a tax collector and he abused his power to, to get money that he shouldn't. He was a taker. But as soon as Jesus came into his life, that was the point of change. And I would say that one of the, the clear signs that God is in your life and that God is in my life is that there's a change about 
me trying to get to me trying to give. I, I stop being a consumer and a taker. I become a producer and somebody who wants to give and bless other people. Somebody asked me the other day how we can make Christians healthy. And I thought, well, to speak about a Christian's health and to try and focus on them to make them healthy is not gonna actually achieve that end because a healthy Christian is an unselfish Christian. And that means that you're gonna focus them on others. You're gonna focus them outside their own life and not trying to make myself healthy, but trying to make other people healthy. And inadvertently, a byproduct of doing that will be that you'll find yourself getting to be the healthiest Christian on earth. I haven't even started on these eight reasons. I better get going. Eight reasons to give and be generous towards God. Number one, others have given. Paul, Paul says, other people have been involved in this. So now it's your turn. 2 Corinthians 8.1, he says, the churches in Macedonia gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift for the Christians at Jerusalem. So he's saying, others have done this. Five other churches in Macedonia have gotten involved in this. You don't want them to be doing it and you to not be doing it. In fact, he said to them that because the Corinthians were so excited about the project, they hadn't done anything yet. They just, they just got excited about it and said, yes, we wanna be in. Then Paul had gone down to the churches of Macedonia and he had explained to them how enthusiastic all the, all the Corinthian Christians were. So the Macedonians said, we wanna be involved. And now Paul's writing back to the Corinthians. He says, whoa, now I'm, 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 I'm in a situation. I inspired them with your enthusiasm, but you haven't done anything yet. So now it's time for you to actually get involved and not just let others do this. You know, when I said we're gonna be one million worshipers around the globe, that's like about the same ratio from where we are now to there as we were maybe 10 years ago in this movement. And so if we, if we think today others have given in the past, that have gotten us to where we are. So let's be the givers today that take us to that thing in the future in Jesus' Name. We're thinking that there are others around the world who are giving towards making all the wheels go round. I wanna be involved in that just as much as anybody else. The second one is responsibility of leadership. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 to 8, since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, your leaders in these areas, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm and such love for us. Now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. I'm not saying you must do it, even though the other churches are eager to do it, but this is one way to prove your love is real. He's saying, you're leaders, you're a leadership church. There wouldn't even be a C3 movement if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for this congregation. You have led the way in so many areas and we need to continue to lead the way because thousands of other people get inspired by your giving to become vision builders as well. Not just here, but all around the world, there are people holding vision builders gatherings and meetings all year long. Very much here in Australia, New Zealand right now, there are hundreds of churches holding vision builders meetings and talking about the future and doing exactly what we are doing. So what you are doing is triggering a huge release all around the world, from Mossman, from Warunga, from Penrith, from Avalon, from Manly, all of you are inspiring others throughout this world to actually become a vision builder. The next one is the example of Jesus. 
The third reason that Paul says we should be generous givers is because it's like our Saviour. It's like Jesus was. He gave Himself. He gave all He had. He gave His life, dying on a cross so that we might be blessed. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8 9, Paul talks about the sacrifice in a particular area. Because one area is that Jesus died taking our sins on Himself. So He died with sin riddled through Him, His whole system. All the murders, all the lying, all the cheating, all the, all the blasphemy, everything. He, he drank it to the last drop. That cup was full of it. And so He drank it all. But He also took all our sicknesses. He took all of our, He took all the, all the cancers, all the diseases, all the, all the asthmas, all the migraine headache. He, he drank that cup to the last drop. And then He also took all of our poverty. He took every last drop of poverty throughout the world and all of the curse that is on the people who have disobeyed the law in the book of Leviticus, all those curses that were promised against those ones who, who couldn't fulfill the law and nobody could. So there had to be an answer. There had to be a Saviour who would take it all on Himself so that you and I wouldn't have to have it. And so Jesus, Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though He was very rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty, you might be made rich. The fourth reason is the integrity of promise. Sometimes I wonder if we have problems believing God's Word simply because we have problems believing our own Word. When we make promises and we don't keep them, we start to feel like, well, maybe other people make promises and they don't keep them. Maybe even God says He'll do things and He's not really that committed. Let me tell you, when God says He's gonna do something, nothing in heaven or earth will stop it from coming to pass. He says, neither heaven nor earth will pass, they'll pass away before one word is broken. The entire universe is sustained because God's Word is integrous. What He says He will do happens. And you and I need to be exactly the same. 2 Corinthians 8, 10 to 15. So here's what I think, Paul said. The best thing you can do right now is finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. And that's saying that every single one of us should be involved at whatever level. But whatever we can do to do something engages you and makes you part of a great army of vision builders that are creating a future that can't happen without you. And God has destined that all of us should be involved in building this vision. The Spirit of Christ has planted you in this church and joined you to this people and to one another in a connection that is designed to fulfill a huge purpose. And when I was talking to this brother the other day about uh, healthy Christians, I said, well, in my view, a healthy Christian is someone who goes to church even when they don't want to, because it's gonna encourage the pastor, because it's gonna encourage the other people there. In my view, a, a, a healthy Christian is somebody who gives when they don't want to because they know that that's going to help things move ahead. And every time they do that, they stir inside themselves a new piece of character. But when we actually follow 
the other side of us that says, no, I'm not gonna go. No, I'm gonna withhold. We strengthen that part of us. And that's the part that causes us more problems than anything. So developing a heart that's generous begins by thinking I'm gonna be a blessing at my own expense in Jesus' Name. Okay, so then you find uh, down here, when I get to it, is the power of testimony. Sometimes we have stories of what people have given and what's happened in their life. Let me tell you, it is one of the most powerful stories you can hear in the life of, of church. And I'm always very tearful when I hear people telling what they have done, what they've sacrificed. Of all the, of all the testimonies I hear, and we hear of people being healed of cancer and families coming back together, and they're very moving too. But I gotta tell you, when people make sacrifice for the kingdom of God, I feel like I feel like said, no, 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 don't, don't do that, man. That just sounds like it's going to cost you too much. And then, but then every time those people, as they step out, find themselves getting blessed at a level that I could never have predicted. So the power of testimony in two Corinthians nine verse two, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of them to begin helping. Your stories of how you got involved. The stories of this church, of how what we have done, it stirs up others. We have whole teams who come and look at all these buildings, go to the school, look at all that, look at all of our plans, and they get stirred up. They think, we can do that. We can actually accomplish something. So you are, your enthusiasm about this is stirring up so many other people. It was interesting before in one of those passages where it says, they begged us that they might be involved in this gracious uh, you know, most of the time, it seems to me like people think the preachers are begging the people to give. But in this instance, Paul was saying, no, the congregation were begging us to be involved. They were saying, please let us be involved. And, and there wasn't any pleading with the people or anything like that. It was just like, let's do this together and make sure it happens. Number six reason is the laws of harvest, the laws of giving. All through Scripture, when God ever, most every time He talks about giving and generosity, He follows it up with a promise. So when He says give, He doesn't just leave it there. He says give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He, he says, I'm trying to introduce you to a law of sowing and reaping in life that is gonna bring untold blessings into your world. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So if we sow small, we're only gonna reap small. But if we sow abundantly, we will reap abundantly. That's exactly what the Bible is saying here. Trying to introduce us into one of the most powerful principles you'll ever have in your life. And then he says, and you will have all sufficiency in all things, for every good work. If we're poor, we cannot help poor people. To help poor people, we need to have something in our hands that we can be a blessing. And so as soon as God sees that He can get blessing through you, He'll get it to you. And that's why in verse the seventh principle of, of generosity here in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 says, Now may He who supplies seed to the sower, as soon as you step out to be a sower, seed will be supplied. 
God is wanting to build His kingdom far more eagerly than you and I. All He needs to find is available vessels and people who will take the step of faith that may stretch them a little, but He'll find that the blessing of God will come on them. And the eighth reason is Paul says, this is for the glory of God. All of our giving, when it's over and above and it's generous, is for the glory of God. If you have ever had anybody pay you uh, less than what your services were or give you something like, or arrive at your house with a half a cake, they've eaten the other half and a half-eaten pizza and, uh, and, and, and half a bottle of Coke and they say, hey, you've just arrived. You think, well, were you cheap? And when we come to God, we don't come with half of what we could have and we come with excellence. We come with something that takes His breath. When you, when you do more than, when somebody gives to you more than you expected, your, your view of them is enhanced and you're going, glory to God. You, we should give an offering to God that makes Him say, glory to God. And uh, that He feels like, wow, those people, they just, and you know what? I think that sometimes God does not speak to us about our giving. Mostly He does whether it's out of the Word or just in our heart. But there are times I think He's just watching our own heart to see as we purpose in our heart. Paul said, as you purpose in your heart. So it's not manipulative, it's not coercive. It's like, out of my own heart, I decided to do this. You know, when you've got kids and one's got a crunchy bar and he's, he's eating away and the, your other son, he's going, oh, I want some crunchy bar. And they're, they're fighting and the other kids, yeah, I got one. And they're eating. You really, you know, that's not a, not a nice view. Y your feelings towards that kid is, hey, I gotta teach you some lessons. I gotta make you figure out how to be unselfish. But if you, if you say to that kid, hey, give your brother half of it. And he goes, oh, all right, bing. Gives him the smaller half. And, uh, and the other kids, uh, they're both eating. And that's, that's kind of good. That's a word from the father. And he was obedient and he did it. But how much better if the father's just watching and the, oldest, the little kids said, oh, you got a crunchy bar. And the older kid says, yeah, yeah, here, have half. And you go, wow, what a good kid that is. You walk around, my kid's unselfish, my kid's. <laughs> you think, you think, you feel so good about you, about them. And in fact, the first thought that when I've ever seen my kids do that, my first thought is to pull a crunchy bar out of my back pocket and say, here, i got another one for you, amen. As soon as you see unselfish, you just want to be a blessing. And so generosity is something, not just the, is obedience to God saying, yeah, okay, God, I'll do what you tell me. It's something that you become in your essence, in your nature, that you become like the Lord. And so right now, as we come to a close, I wanna pray for all of our locations, all of our people. And so let's pray together and believe that God is gonna touch you and help you take this stretch, this step into being a vision builder for the future. Father, I'm asking right now for Your blessing to rest powerfully and heavily, mightily on every one of our people. Lord, they've been blessed. Their hearts are in the right place. They've taken the step. They're moving forward. They're standing on the mountain. They're overcomers. They've got faith in their heart. They've got love in their spirit. They've got motivation in their mind. Dear God, today let it be fulfilled in this commitment, in this pledge-making moment in Jesus' mighty Name. Hey everyone, what a joy it is to bring the Word of God to so many people all around the world. 
every week. And I just love technology for that reason, that we're able to broadcast through television, through podcasts, through social media, and to bring Jesus into people's worlds in all kinds of ways. Obviously, there are costs to that. There are uh, expenses in reaching out and accomplishing this preaching of the Gospel. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, how shall I go unless somebody send them? And he's talking about the beautifulness of, of the preaching of the Gospel, how it brings peace and joy into people's worlds. And so the people who are sending us into other people's worlds is you and the people of our congregations. And I'd love you to join with them and with us as partners, sending the Gospel throughout all the world through all these means that God has put in our hands. And as we partner together, I know that there will be thousands of people in heaven for eternity because of our efforts together. God has called us to do this and we depend on people to send us and support us in taking the Gospel to the world. I wanna say thank you for standing with us and believing God. I'm praying and asking God to touch you and to bless your seed that you sow so that you'll experience an incredible harvest in your lives, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening. You can order any of Pastor Phil's resources at philpringle.com or at c3store.com. We are always encouraged to hear the stories of great decisions you have made and the great things God is doing in your life. So if you have a story to share or if you have a prayer request, please email us at podcast at myc3church.net.